cleared for takeoff. Welcome once again to Jet Fuel, the Jets Discord podcast. As always, I am your party host, Joe Rivera. Along with me is my astute and educational and extremely jacked co-host, Matt Szilard, a.k.a. King Sliz. Sliz, say hello, my friend. Club Dub, baby. There you go. Didn't expect it maybe this early in the year. Broke Jets broke the September losing streak. I I think we're 0-12 or 0-13 dating back to our last win in September being week one with with the Sam Darnold debut. So it's it's been a minute. It has been a minute. Hey, man, we've been talking about meaningful December football. How about meaningful September football? Yeah, absolutely, man. It's nice. It's nice to get to October 1st and not feel like your season is totally in the tank. So let's start there. So let's start as always, as we always do with the runway rundown. Now, I want to make something very clear. This was a good win. It was a good culture win. Right. But it still wasn't pretty in a lot of areas. Self-inflicted wounds, some drops, penalties like Listen, you're always going to have ref crews who who are going to be more inclined to call a holding call here and there um, or, or call pass interference. You know, they play a type, but things like uncovered on the line, illegal formations, to a, a legal man downfield, that's just undisciplined stuff. And that that can't happen. That yeah, can't absolutely. Happen. Absolutely. Especially, too, when we're a struggling offense generally, although we maybe put finally put that to rest a little bit this game. But when you're a team that struggles to move the ball, struggles to get down the field and score points, like little five-yard, ten-yard penalties, those kill you. Those absolutely kill you. And and maybe outside of same old Jets character, we overcame a lot of that this week. It, it mm-hmm. felt like every time we, we ended up in a first and 15, we somehow ended up getting to a new new set of downs after that, which is awesome. But yeah, absolutely, definitely a lot of self-inflicted wounds. Uh, I know, and we'll we'll sing the praises of Garrett Wilson l- later. But he had that one brutal drop. Um, that third down the drop the killed field. me, bro. That yeah. third down drop killed me. Killed yeah. me. Um, you had a uh, Tyler Conklin fumbling again, and and thankfully the the rookie jumped on it. But yeah, yeah, the, lots still to clean up. Absolutely. And speaking of cleaning up. The next point that we have here, Sliz, I'm, I'm a very big believer, and I don't know if you feel the same way. This is kind of like old school football thinking here, I think, but I'm a very big believer that you're either coaching it or you're allowing it to happen, right? Um, yes, the players have to execute at the end of the day, and and these guys can be sitting in meeting rooms and being taught all the right things. But again, we saw another play, another busted coverage where it can't happen with the touchdown to Cooper when you had sauce and it was, you saw it happening before the play, man, you saw sauce standing there talking to, I think it was whitehead next to him, trying to figure out where he was supposed to be or where the defense was supposed to be. And then Cooper gets behind them and scores the touchdown. And I'm sitting here pulling my hair out. I'm like, this is the kind of stuff that can't happen anymore. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I still don't know. I, I assume it's Sauce at fault there. Kind of like you're right, pre-snap him in the safety. I think it was Joiner next to him where we're talking. So and I assume it was traditional cover three, and, and Sauce kind of went to the the corner of the end zone, so to speak. So taking his third, I assume he thought the the free safety, the deep safety, single high would have would have played midfield. But pre-snap, you saw the safety 
shift to the other side where there were three three receivers in the in the route tree, whereas on, on Sauce's side, the Cooper side, it was just the one the running back going to the flat and then the wide receiver, and you saw the safety. Uh, as is cover three design covered the short flat and and no hesitation either the safety went right. immediately to the flat so it's like all right saucy that even if it's not your job you still got to carry them at least a little bit further than you did right like even if you right. had safety help the safety's not closing that big of a distance that quickly so yeah the the busted coverage there and and again communicate week one i don't think was sauce but but certainly this week was and and you you saw that too though on on the the cleveland side obviously with the big Corey davis play and i, I know then too in week one in the the season opener with the rams you saw jalen ramsey kind of get caught in zone it it feels like zone across the league like it, it it there's a lot of disguise to it you can force a lot of turnovers with it but it's being, it's kind of getting low light reeled a lot too, where teams are exploiting it. Their weapons are dynamic enough. The, the offense coordinators are dynamic enough where, where they're attacking it. And, and, and I know the criticism has been put out there where Sala kind scheme, Ulbrich scheme that we're running is, it is what it is. And it, it doesn't deviate a lot from the core elements of cover three. And in general, the league's moved away from single high a lot. You're seeing a lot more quarters coverage. You're seeing a lot more cover two shell to kind of eliminate those explosive plays. That's one of the big criticism is teams know how to attack and beat our defense. And I think you saw that a little bit this past week um, with Cleveland. And, and we did have a couple stops, but for the most part, we couldn't stop them on the ground. And, and it felt like anytime they need to get a clutch clutch conversion in the passing game they got it as well right and listen to that end i think we kind of knew this heading into the season everything the 24 coverage snaps or whatever was in the preseason that sauce wasn't he wasn't targeted once and we knew entering the season he wasn't ever going to be a guy who you got through the season and, and instantly thought man this guy's a defensive rookie of the year caliber player the honeymoon's over now i think that's fair to say with the with the busted coverage yesterday or on Sunday, I should say, he was targeted five times, allowed four receptions for 33 yards, which, listen, at the end of the day, if you're keeping things in front of you, it's okay. Like, those numbers aren't terrible, right? Like, he wasn't picked on all day. But I think the busted coverage is there that you say to yourself, like, that can't happen. He has to know better. But the honeymoon is officially over for Sauce. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, definitely. And and that's always some of the criticism, too, with, like, round one corners in general is – round one corners take their lumps throughout the year, right? So you just got to hope those lumps come in convenient times in terms mm-hmm. of the, the game script. And um, yeah, the, the like you said, honeymoon's over. He'll hopefully grow and learn from it. We got to sort it out on the back end is the biggest thing. So I mean, even even with Amari Cooper, it's like who's, who's one of the elite route runners in football, right? Even though he's maybe not the player that he was five years ago, but he's still like that. That's a tough matchup for any corner in the NFL. Absolutely. Um, and and we've been saying that for, I mean, we've been saying that about Cooper for years and it's, it's a tough assignment for sauce. And and I want to say that Reed Reed covered him at points during the game too. So it wasn't strictly on sauce, but still um, you could see that he was, he was chasing a little bit, but he did, again, he did keep things in front of him for the most part, aside from the touchdown, which hopefully it doesn't continue. I want to say this Liz, to that end, I didn't know that Tom Brady played for the Browns. Um, 
it was unbelievable to watch Jacoby Brissett kind of tear them up this and this week. This week, Alita at navigating the pocket too. Part part Tom Brady, part Lamar Jackson, right? <laughs> it was just, it was just, yeah, man. Like I want to give him credit, right? Because Brissett is he is who he is. He's a journeyman backup quarterback. He's a good spot starter. He's not a guy who's he's not a guy who's who's going to win you a lot of games. And we saw that on Sunday, obviously, with the interception to close out the game, but. It it scares me. I was a little worried, and I know that the Browns line is one of the better lines that the Jets are going to play this year, but it's a little worrying to me. And I said it in week one, and maybe the pass rush coverage is a little the pass rush was a little bit different because you're trying to contain Jackson in week one and not over pursue as opposed to week two. But you have to get home. You have to get home. And that's something you saw one time, and it came at a critical moment in the game. Pushed them, pushed them at. Was it a punt or a field goal? They pushed them. Yeah, they were right at the edge of field goal range there. Right at the edge. So, so it's like you know, it comes at a critical time in the game, which is excellent. But against Jacoby Brissett, like I, it sucks to see him climb pocket and climb out of the pocket and make these throws outside. It's like again, it's Jacoby Brissett. This is the kind of stuff that worries me moving forward. Yeah, and we and we left a lot of opportunities on the field. We did week one too, and it's like, okay, you write it off. It's Lamar Jackson. He makes everyone look look silly, right? But but this week, and and there is the one Jacob Martin pass rush attempt where he kind of stumbled on his rush, but got up, and the quarterback's right there for him to tackle, and Brissett just like brushes him off, and then th- throws that that pass down the field, and I, I think it was their tight end ended up scrambling for like thirty yards, right? It's like, yeah. man. Those are the plays where that's such a backbreaker where you have the sack right there and you end up giving up an explosive play instead. Um, and it's across the board too. I, I thought I think our interior in the pass rush has been doing really well, but certainly with the investment in the number of bodies we have in that edge room, you're expecting a little bit more. Yep. So, Sliz, we, we pretty much discuss all the negatives. And, oh... My God, what a freaking win, bro. And I'm going to post that it. I'm going to post that it actually for the first time in this podcast. So I have three words to say. Let's fucking go. Yeah, oh let's my go, God. Man. Let's go, baby. Like, listen, I, I see people talking about a fluke win. I see people talking about, hey, man, I mean, this is a very lucky win, like all this stuff. Sure. But over the last, however long I've been watching the Jets, over the last 20 years I've been watching the Jets and, and actually Nation, right, to watch the Jets. These are the games that never go their way, ever. So, like, having to execute, having to, you know, recover the onside kick and actually drive down the field, like, that's the thing I think a lot of people are kind of missing here, that even after you recover the onside kick, you have to go down the field and score. Like, whether or not you think that's a choke job by the Browns or not, like, I don't care. You still have to execute. You have to do it. And oh, yeah. to, it, it, it's, so, it's like, for, I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm sorry. So it's like, I'm, I'm on oh, a little <laughs> I just drank a Paloma. So I'm like super pumped, but I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here. Like I'm watching the game. I'm screaming at the TV. Like, let's go Flacco. Like get him down the field. I'm freaking out. I'm running. My wife is scared half to death in the bedroom. She's got the door locked. It looks like the scene out of the shining. She's got the, she's hiding in the bathroom from, from Jack Nicholson. And I'm like, dude, I, I just, I can't believe it. Like it's it, 2000. What's the number? 2,229 games since 2001 that teams have won when leading by 13 or more within the last few minutes of the game. And the jets like 
it's insane. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, and th- those are the games that we're used to being on the other side of, right? Where it's like you get that late touchdown. It's like, all right, you have that pit in your stomach. Like, oh, no, th- there's enough time. How are we going to blow this one, right? But but absolutely, man. Like, Flacco looked really, really good. And, and I'm going to belabor a point that we touched on last time, right? It, it's garbage time until it's not. And, mm-hmm. and I think we've seen enough games the past two weeks where – like people need to recalibrate on what garbage time means. There have t- there have been so many teams that have come back and made blowouts really really close within it, even the Falcons this week, right? They they were they were getting blown out in the first half too and made it within an onside kick of having their own chance at a comeback. You saw the the Cardinals come back. Like there have been it's the NFL. It's early in the season NFL where you're having a lot of teams with shortened preseasons, not playing a lot of starters in preseason games. Like, stuff happens, man. Like, <laughs> the game's not over till it's over. No. It's a full 60 minutes. You're 100% right. And here's the thing that, like, that you just mentioned about gar- garbage time and having to recalibrate is that so many teams are, just with the way the NFL is played now, right, and, and the predominant, the, it's a predominantly passing league now, and quick strike offenses and anything can happen right in the last five minutes of a game. So like you said, it's garbage time until it's not like you have to play a full 60 minutes, like hitting Corey Davis, Flacco hitting Corey Davis. I mean, it's, it's still a chance, right? It's still a chance. And that's why they play the games to quote Chris Berman. That's why they play the games for, oh, yeah. for that exact reason. And that's why you play full 60 minutes. And it, it's nuts. Just thinking about everything that went right down the stretch, right? Where, they miss the extra point. They blow the coverage on the Corey touchdown. We get the we get the onside kick recovery. Shout we out drive down the whole field, right? <laughs> you know, like it, it's kind of crazy. Stars align very much, but but I think too, like looking at the other spectrum of it, like the Jets were fully in that game for the vast majority of it we were right there trading blows i I think despite the ref's best chance and and i'm not one really to belabor refs a lot i Mm -hmm. think a lot goes both ways and and generally it balances out but man like even just going to the the very first drive of the game we we lost a drive like that was clearly in on that conklin catch we had that kind of ghost holding call that that takes us from being at the like their 15 16 now we're holding and and we have to kick a 57-yard field goal, which, by the way... We'll get that, to it. That's yep. that's why you take the kicker with the leg, right? Right. If you don't have, if you have Eddie Pinheiro, we don't win because you're not even attempting that kick. We're punting. Yep. So, and you see teams are... Like, the Colts just went through this decision-making process, too. Do you take the reliable guy that can knock them all from 40 in, but then literally doesn't give you a shot outside of that, or do you opt for the leg? Yeah. We, we see why teams opt for the leg in this case. It, it gives you a chance to tilt the game in a meaningful right. moment. Yeah, and, and here's the thing, Sliz. And for a number of reasons, this is a very, very anti-Jets game in, in a number of ways. Number one, they had to execute. Number two, they had to overcome their own self-inflicted penalty, their own self-inflicted wounds throughout the game. They're tied entering the fourth quarter, 17 apiece, and you're putting all your chips on the table. And rather than folding immediately... They're playing to the last two minutes of the game, right? The injury, the injury luck, I'll call it luck, where you had Jermaine Johnson, you had Quinnen, you had Sauce, 
Garrett Wilson and John Franklin Myers, five guys who at some point miss snaps in the game. And you're like, oh my God, here's the season. The season's over. Like you see Garrett yeah, Wilson fall yeah, on the same old line. jet season. Dude, is Season is over in week two. Everyone's when right. I when I saw Garrett Wilson fall on the sideline, I'm like, oh my God, this guy broke his hip. He's out for, for the year. Like he's done and he'll never be the same player. And then he's back on the field, you know, a series later, whatever it was. And like, there is a guy. That's why I said, like, this is the most anti-Jets win in so many ways. Like, I hope it's the start of something. I, I don't believe in football karma, but to a point I'm like, okay, well, how much crap have we been shoveled? I hope that this is the start of something here. I don't know. Like, that's intangible stuff, unquantifiable stuff, but I hope it's the start of something. And it's funny too, like you got major, major contributions from some of the, I'll say more unlikely characters, Mm -hmm. right? And and Jerry's been posting his meme post on Discord since the game ended, right? Where it's like, (laughs) yeah, you had Ashton Davis get his one snap and come up with the interception. You you had Braden Mann on the hot seat, Braden Mann, now that we had uh, another punter in the building. He, He executed like every, all his punts were good. He had the fake the fake punt execution. He had the, the onside kick and he had a uh, one or two uh, good holds on, on field goal and PAT tries. Right. It's like, you're getting contributions from all these guys that we've kind of memed a little bit over the past couple of weeks, couple of years where it's like, Oh man, this, you, we didn't get the return out of this guy that you want, but it's like, Hey, they, they delivered in a big moment. Right. And to that point, delivering in a big moment, I, I just want to, like, he didn't have the biggest game. He didn't have the best game. Scored a touchdown. And then look at his numbers. Brees Hall, you saw him after he scored the touchdown. He gave everybody a little shh. That was just for you, Jets, Discord. That was that was exclusively for you guys. So I hope you're paying attention. Listen, at the end of the day, I don't know what Brees Hall is going to be as a player. I know that the handoff up the gut, that's what I want to see from him, where he can bounce off a tackle and then break it outside for an explosive play. I hope that's what we see the rest of the season. There's some talk that, you know, bot lane, and I hate to even give this a little bit of credibility, but that the, the running game has been underwhelming. I don't see, I don't think anybody actually sees it that way. Cause when you're in the hole that you were in week one and week two, they were running the ball effectively. It's just a matter of you have to pass to win a game at the end of the game. Yeah. Rich Samini tweeted that out too, about like run, run balance and stuff and all they gotta, they gotta run it more. And it's like, a it's it's a modern nfl it's pass heavy and it's like yeah look at the game scripts we've had too where both games we had a fourth quarter hole and you had to you had to execute you had to move the ball you had to preserve clock but i i think our run game's been awesome quite frankly and and really it's been both of them and it kind of feeds into our our next point you mentioned where does Brees hall fit in and maybe i i feel like it this the saying's always been around and maybe it just never sunk in with me because the Jets had such anemic offenses for so long. It didn't even matter, but it's like, we're seeing that explosive plays win and or lose ball games. Right. And week one explosive plays lost us the game and week two, a number of explosive plays helped win us the game. Yeah. Right. Certainly highlighted by that Corey Davis blown coverage, but, but you alluded to the Brees Hall run up the gut. We, we had a lot of Garrett Wilson plays. Um, shout out Elijah Moore, too. And I know a lot of people, oh, I thought he'd be a little bit better, a little bit more productive. Like, A, he's getting open, but B, we, we talked about those first and 15, kind of all those those holes we dug ourselves in. Elijah Moore had three catches. I'm pretty sure all three of them were on clutch third down conversions on third and long. Like, he, he kept the chains moving. 
And, and that was huge for us. Absolutely huge. There's something I want to point out. And unfortunately, we're not a video vehicle, but I'm sure everybody can go back on Twitter or YouTube and find the video of the recovery on the onside kick. And if you look exclusively at the Jets sideline in that just at the sideline in that moment, Garrett Wilson's freaking out. He's hopping around like he's bringing the energy. He's like pumped to get back on the field. And then you look over to the left and you see Elijah Moore business as usual, grabs his lid, walks out to the field, no fist pump, no anything. Dude's got a job to do. Like that's the most, that's the most like badass thing. Like I'm here freaking out. Like I'm doing backflips off my couch. Like I'm headbutting my wall. I'm doing all this stuff. And then Elijah Moore's out there just doing, just got to do his job. And there's a lot of stuff that Moore's going to do that doesn't show up in the box score, right? It's the way that the defense shades his way when he's on the field. And if, if this offense is clicking and we'll see when Zach gets back and it's going to be a different guy every week, right? It'll be Elijah Moore one week. It'll be Garrett Wilson one week. It'll be Courtney, Corey Davis. We'll see if he can beat the allegations again for a third week in a row. We'll see. But I, it's, it's, it's exciting to start to see it come together a little bit, especially with Garrett Wilson having the breakout game that he did. Yeah. And I mean, we've kind of beat around Garrett, like dude, Garrett Wilson is a, is a baller. Absolute baller. I know. I was, I was really, everyone was high on Garrett Wilson. I I was super high on him in in the preseason, in the draft process. And, and there, I think there are a lot of good wide receivers in this class. You know, you look at Drake, what Drake London's doing in Atlanta. You look at like what a Jahan Dotson, Traylon Burks, like there are a lot of names. Um, Still have yet to see uh, Jamison Williams once he gets healthy out of Alabama. But it's like Garrett Wilson, man, and and watched a lot of him going back to even the QB draft in, what, 2020, 2021, 2021 that was, um, mm-hmm. studying Justin Fields. And it's like, man, this dude always gets open. And he his catch rate, like he doesn't look like look that big. This dude catches everything. And you saw that probably his two best catches were the ones that ended up not even counting the the out of bounds ones, the one where he climbs a freaking ladder mm-hmm. and and <laughs> got himself hurt on the play, which yep. glad he was able to get back. But he had another one a, a little bit before that on the opposite sideline where where he did the same thing where it's like, man, how do you even come down with that ball, man? You saw the first touchdown route, and and not that that was a, a great corner he's going against, but it's like just clean clean win off the line like yep. most separation you ever see on a fade route right yeah and then and then just even down the stretch just everything he was doing over the middle uh, and, and i took a look so I, I think it's interesting right a lot of people were pretty critical of our personnel groupings and what how we were using our wide receivers especially and even between week one and week two so not not that we had a huge sample because we did start especially in the first half with a lot of heavy personnel against Baltimore. But then this week came back and did a lot more 11 personnel in the first half. And, and a lot of that kind of shaded with Garrett in the slot more uh, between week one and week two, you saw him out of the slot a lot more. It'll be interesting to kind of trend that going forward and see, okay, is this just where we like his matchup as, Hey, he's, he's just exploiting matchups everywhere over the middle um, or do we, do we, and, and you still had Elijah Moore out of the slot too, a little bit, but you know, kind of, uh, that was always the question with these two guys is okay. You, you have two of them. They're, they're a little bit on the smaller side. They can both play outside though. Like how is that, that rotation? How, when you get all three guys on the field, where are you going to put them? Uh, right. so I, I'm curious to see that play out. It, it clearly, clearly they had a plan and, and exploited matchups and 
just like massive shout out to Michael LaFleur. He, he, he had an awesome play calling day. Absolutely awesome. Yeah. Let's, let's give him his flowers, man. Cause Michael LaFleur is, he certainly seems to get it right. And, and a lot of it last year was, okay, well, he's down on the sideline to be in Zach's here or whatever. And then he moves up to the booth and he's like a different play caller. Ultimately, I don't know how much that factors in. Like, I quite frankly, I don't care because as long as he's in the booth, if he's a booth boy, then and he's and he's calling the offense the way he is, then I'm fine with it. Right. But he's a guy that last year people wanted him out after four games. Like, like, and and it not even like Jets Discord memeably out. They wanted him fired because nobody has patience. But now you're seeing he has weapons, he's got We'll see with when Zach gets back, but he's got with Flacco. I think he got very, very good quarterback play on Sunday, um, and and Zach's going to bring his mobility element to the offense, so it's going to open up a new dimension. But if Wilson's getting open at a consistent rate, if Moore's getting open at a consistent rate, and then you have the wild card and Corey Davis, all of a sudden, like that's you're running three very, very good wide receivers with tight ends. You hope can turn it around in the coming weeks. Yeah, and you you saw a lot of creativity, especially early, right? So, like in the game threads, we we've been big fans of the Barrio sweep, right? Mm-hmm. The 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 common Barrio sweep, um, <laughs> and, and you saw some of that early, right? And and that's been a criticism that we've had is like, oh man, like the bear, like using Braxton Barrios on a sweep adds a dynamic and makes him consider something. And it feels like at times he holds that a little bit close to the chest where he's looking mm-hmm. for like the perfect opportunity to use it. Um, and he used, he used it early. He, he did that kind of like double reverse end around thing that it didn't work, but it's like, man, people all week were saying, Hey, we, we have a statue in the pocket where we're playing, you know, we're, we're play calling with a bad QB. That's when you need to break out all the, all the extravagant things. It's like, man, he did that. Right. It's like, you can't ask for it and then get mad when it doesn't work. But, right. but in general, he, like he was testing, he was throwing everything out and, and you, he, you certainly saw him catch his groove, especially down the stretch there. Um, certainly culminating in that game winning drive. Right. And that's why I said, man, at the end of the day, you still have to execute. Like the Jets get the ball back on their 47-yard line. It's not a guarantee they're going to score a touchdown now. It's not a guarantee the Flacco doesn't throw an interception. But I, I do think that it was the perfect series of play calls. Like Flacco did an excellent job. I think it was that second. I want to say it was the second, second and 10 for inside the red zone or just outside the red zone when he threw the ball at the feet of the receiver. He had to escape a sack. But like that's the kind of veteran stuff. And so as I said it in preseason – that I think that this offense, it's not asking the court. Like we know that it doesn't ask the quarterback to do a lot because so much of it is relying on your receivers to make plays and get open. And that's why I think this offense is going to benefit Flacco a little bit in the long run. Because when you see Garrett Wilson as wide as he is on that corner fade, when you see how wide open he is down the field, 30 yards down the field with the defender 10 yards away from him, all you got to do is stick it, stick it near him and they're going to make the catch. Yeah. I think, so, so like I had some general observation points, both from this game and just like around the league. I, I feel like when it's, when it's your team, you, it, it's easy to get overly critical with accuracy, right? There, there's mm-hmm. times and moments and, and certainly plays where it's like, man, you cannot miss that. But like I was watching the Thursday night matchup with, with the chargers and, and chiefs. And it's like, man, like, 
Herbert was all over the place, man. Like he had some really bad passes. He, you look at like the Tom Brady game this past weekend too, it was where he was missing a couple options, right? Kind of more of a, a a standard wide receiver core as opposed to like a top top wide receiver core like he's had in Tampa. It's like, man, like these guys, like every quarterback is human. Not everyone hits every single throw. Like, I feel like that's important to remember. And and again, this is going back to just our history as Jets fans. It feels like we've been so anemic that, you know, if you have a missed throw, it, it just destroys your entire drive. You cannot recover from it. It's like, we got the pieces now where it, it feels like we can, we can overcome mm-hmm. it. Right. Right. And, and I and think it's that, important. It's important to keep that, that mindset too. When Zach gets here. Right. We saw that in the game too. So it's, it's like we, we're, drives don't stall now if you miss a guy in first down right now all of a sudden like you're looking at a second and 10 and in years past we would have seen you know now in, in second and 10 all of a sudden like the, the series is already over like the drive's already over because you yeah, pick you up get nothing the, on first down the run up the middle for zero yards and it's like well <laughs> right. we're punting yeah right exactly exactly and all of a sudden like but now i feel like like you said with the weapons that we have and the flow that we have it, it can be it can look a lot different because now those second and tens don't look like well, now we're punting. Now those second and tens are like, well, it's a passing down and Elijah Moore is going to be open. Garrett Wilson's going to be open. Or one of the tight ends will will get open in the flat and, and give you five or six yards. And all of a sudden, it's like you're cooking. You're moving again. And some some really, really big that that I think with all the craziness maybe gets a little overlooked in this game is our Mac, just our coaching in general, right? We, are, we already gave LeFleur his flowers a little bit. Certainly boyer boyer gang rise up should i mean <laughs> with everything right the 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 long field goal the fake punt the onside kick we had multiple good kickoff returns we uh we really didn't blow anything in in, in coverage kick coverage so it's like special teams outstanding absolutely outstanding and then even there were a lot of head coaching decisions throughout this game that solo had to had to make you know and and Maybe it maybe part of it is like, hey, it worked out, so it was good decisions, right? I think you, you look at two game situations and and getting kind of robbed of that one timeout right at the start of the game hurt us. But I know on Twitter, right before that last punt of the half that Cleveland had, the first half, all over Twitter, everyone's saying, oh, they should have taken a timeout, should have taken a timeout. I was getting grilled by uh, I won't put my blast. I was I was getting grilled in the game thread saying no. I th- I think holding the time out here is right. All right, even hey, though we so burned name we, names name no, names. It's I'm, your I'm podcast. Good. I'm good. Name names. <laughs> even though we burned forty seconds, right? It gave us a minute and change, and it ended up it ended up being the right decision. Where instead of only having one timeout in a couple extra thirty seconds, right? We ended up having two timeouts and a little over a minute to drive. Those two timeouts, they let us have the whole field and, and and call timeout on a critical drive, right? And then it also made sure that we had three shots at the end zone, not two, right? If if we use that timeout before, get to that same point, then we don't get that Brees Hall p- touchdown because we're kicking a field goal instead because we're on fourth down. So I, I think that's important to note is that he had a plan and it ended up working, right? I think you can certainly question whether it was the right plan, but but with everything, I think this is a big, especially when we start seeing signs of life. It, I, I keep using the word recalibration. I think there's a lot of recalibration that Jets fans need to do in their mind. <laughs> uh, 
On the other side, though, we, we used timeouts at the end of the second half towards the end of the game. We used all of them prior to the two-minute warning, which I think a lot of coaches have done. I, I think maybe the, there was the, you, the use of the last one felt like it wasn't very efficient, like it saved like nine seconds or something, and they ended up scoring the touchdown anyway. So, so the clock would have stopped. So that's one where it's like, hey, I don't think it quite worked out there, but ended up not mattering. But just in general, it, it feels like as a coaching staff, especially as a head coach in Sala, and Sala's caught a lot of criticism. And certainly when you're losing, it, it's appropriate to catch that criticism. But as far as like macro game decision <laughs> decisions, sorry. He's largely been pretty good, and, and I mean, certainly not Nathaniel Hackett level on the the total opposite <laughs> end of the spectrum, right? But like he he has been a good coach, and you saw not only that come through in a game sense and game decision over the over the weekend, and 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 throwing the challenge flag was another good example. That was a good challenge where I, we we you got, got robbed there, right? Screwed. But you see that, and then you also see that in the energy, man. Like, these guys believe, and they have energy, and they're playing till the final snap. Yeah, and that's that's something I think really matters is that, listen, ultimately at the end of the day, yes, there's a, there's a modicum of luck that goes into winning a game like that on Sunday, right? I think we all can admit that. That's fine. But this is, again, it's such an anti-Jets win. Like, to, to, to not roll over and, and get the ball back and – and say to yourself, well, they're not going to score. Let's, you know, run a couple flats to, to Conklin who can fumble again or whatever. And, and that'll be the end of the game. Like there, there's something to that. I really believe that, that there's something to, you know, you pull out a game like this, all of a sudden you wake up Monday morning, the coffee tastes a little bit sweeter and the sky's a little bit bluer and the traffic ain't all that bad. And the music sounds a little bit better. Like, and, and then you get to the facility in Florham park and it's like, well, it's easier to coach these guys. Now it's easier to say, Hey, you screwed up on this, but it's all right. Cause you got these guys believing that the game's never over like the oh, whole yeah. 60% thing. You know, that's why I said like it's cheesy football stuff. I get it. Like it sounds stupid to say out loud, but I do think a lot of that stuff actually matters. Yeah. Especially with a young team like ours, right. Where so mm -hmm. many of our players are first, second, third year type guys. And a lot of these guys are guys that we identified based on football character. It, it does matter. And that, that's how you get a team like ours out of the basement, right? It doesn't just happen. You don't just get good. You have maybe you luck into a franchise QB. Hopefully, we did. You know, TBD there. But we're we're moving the needle without that quarter, like just once in a lifetime quarterback to bail us out. And, and this is right. this is what you have to do. You got to build, got to stack it one day at a time. You do have to be a little cheesy. You got to keep the attitudes up and, and you, you, you just tackle it one day at a time. All right. So that, that'll do it for the game recap. I think, you know, we've said pretty much everything there is to say about it. So I think we're in agreement here. I put this on here without consulting you, but I think we're pretty much in agreement. Garrett Wilson is your top gun of the week. <laughs> oh yeah. Big time. It, it's crazy too, just how much he got targeted. Right. And, and Flacco's a vet. Flacco is going to he's going to he's going to target and throw the ball where he knows a guy's going to be winning. And he targeted Garrett Wilson a ton, man, 14, a ton. 14 times he targeted. Yeah. He started 14 times, uh, credited with eight, eight, uh, has eight receptions, 102 yards and two touchdowns. And two, obviously, the one was the game winner. So 
Yeah. And, I mean, and he absolutely cooked. And, and, and I, I alluded to it. It's like, man, when you got a guy with that catch radius, but it, it's a QB's best friend, he he's going to catch anything in his direction. It, it, if it's over his head, if it's way wide, he's going to give it a chance. And, and yeah, he, he came up clutch and what a coming out party after everyone was asking all week, we need more, we need more number, number 17. We need more of the number 10 overall pick. You picked him for a reason. Well, man, we got him in spades. Yeah. And not only the one thing that we didn't really mention Sliz is that this guy after the catch, right? Like it's not just about him having the catch radius. It's not just about him getting open in space. It's what he does when he has the ball in his hands, which is huge too for this offense. Yeah, definitely. A- absolutely. Yeah. Garrett Wilson, top gun. Probably not going to be the last time. <laughs> Probably not going to be the last really time not. in his uh, young career. I really hope not. I don't want to. I don't want to wake up tomorrow, or I don't want to go to sleep tomorrow with your know, report out of nowhere. Garrett Wilson hip out two to four weeks. Like I, I please no. But uh, he certainly earned it for week two, and hopefully we see that some more this this week or this season, I should say. So, all right, my geek of the week. There wasn't a whole lot to pick from this week, like. I'm sorry, Sliz, I could have put you on there for somehow throwing out your trap and, and going on IR, but we're all playing hurt. It's fine. It's football podcasting. Hey, hey, so we're, it's all right. we're, we're still out here grinding, baby. That's all right. That's all right. So my geek of the week, it goes to the CBS director who kept cutting to Mike LaFleur in the booth. Now, I don't know what his obsession with LaFleur was. Like, it was very bizarre, though, because I'm telling you, he could, he must have cut to LaFleur at least 14 times in this in this game. And it's like the really bizarre angle where like you're staring at someone through the through like the the look the peephole through your door, and it's like what what are you doing? Like just looking at this guy like from from the chin up, it's just very bizarre. I don't I don't quite understand. But uh, CBS director who kept cutting to Michael Floor in the booth, you are this week's geek of the week. Yeah, yeah, that's what happens when you get the CBS D team, I guess. Which, <laughs> uh, looking ahead, we got we have, we have Iron Eagle next week. Hell so yeah, let, let's go, baby. We we are we officially made it, baby. We don't Hell have yeah. the D crew <laughs> to call our game on Sunday. I love me some Iron Eagle, man. The guy's so good. He's so good. My favorite call of his is like I forget it. It circles around on Instagram Reels, but I forget what game it was, what player he was talking about. But someone made a a, a really nice catch along the sideline and he's like that's why they drafted this guy to suck in these balls and i'm like excuse me so you uh, i'm looking forward to him saying that about about garrett wilson this weekend so. hey, hey forewarning if he starts gassing up cj mosley he he might have an inside <laughs> track to geek of the week I, it's like i don't know why that's such a regular talking point it's like see mostly was barely even involved in the game i feel like it's just like anytime he's near a play it's like oh cj mosley one of the best linebackers in the league it's like is he really though like can we not find better talking points by now like i know we've sucked and haven't had really important players but like we got to move on from the cj mosley obsession (laughs) i think that'll happen i think there's going to be a lot of garrett wilson to talk about this weekend so all right sliz hope you're ready to go around the league go around the around the league and roughly 60 seconds, and away we go. <clears throat> the fighting Miami Mike McDaniels make mincemeat of the Ravens in their D with a big win in Baltimore. No joshing here. Kyler Murray rushes and answers the call of duty to come back and beat the Raiders. Speaking of rush, Cooper and the Cowboys beat down the Bengals to win a stunner. And speaking of stunning, 
Jimmy GQ makes a San Fran return after lap dance Lance exits with an ankle injury as the Niners 86 to Seahawks. In other bird blowout news, the Eagles trounce Cousins and the Vikings on Monday night, while the Titans and Mike Vrabel get undicked by the Bills. The Bill might be coming due for Frank Reich as the Colts lose to the Jags, while the Bill in New England helps pull out a win over the Steelers. No lion here. Detroit's offense looks good in a win over Uncle Ron and the Commies. The Broncos overcome Coach Hack and chop down the Texans, while one of the NFL's favorite Texans, Matthew Stafford, has a Matthew Stafford-esque performance to down the Falcons. Bear down and probably out as Rodgers continues his ownership of Chicago, while Mahomes remains daddy in the AFC West in a thriller over the Chargers. That was Around the League in roughly 60 seconds. Excellent. All right, Excellent. Yeah, yeah, I, I wanted to I got a transition to... topic here on this. Yeah. Where the, the I don't know if you saw the graphic of the winless teams where three out of the four AFC South teams, and, and granted Houston and, and the Colts tied, but how how bad does that division look, man? Like they, they look bad. And it's been like all their blowouts have largely been like blowouts. It, it has been bad. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting to me because, like I said, I I this time of year is always a little bit weird, right? Because the NFL is always about who gets hot in November and December, ultimately, and and what team is the most well-rounded at that point. But, you know, the Jags, I mean, Trevor Lawrence looked decent. So many of Lawrence's throws were, were short, right? Like, nothing overly impressive, but still, if he can, tr- he can turn it, he, he, the Jags could have that division on, on its head, right? And, um, you know, the Texans are under lovey smith i mean yeah whatever and i thought the colts would be better than this and i thought matt ryan had some juice left in the tank but who knows man who knows and i mean like you said you know it's only week two but it's worth recalibrating expectations not only for us but for other teams on our schedule where i think a lot of jets fans when you're looking for wins you probably pencil both like the lions and the jags as w's like man those are gonna be tough games man and, and speaking of that, you know, yep. games we probably thought we had zero chance in, like we got the the Bengals limping in at 0-2 coming into to MetLife this week. Yeah, this is this is the flight plan. And Sliz, this is why, I mean, I said it in preseason and I said it with our season preview. It's so stupid to play the win-loss, win-loss schedule game in May. It's like until you start playing the games and seeing what teams are is when you can start saying, all right, well, this, this looks realistic now. This doesn't. The Bengals are one of those teams that maybe you said in preseason uh, while they rebuilt their offensive line and they went to the Super Bowl last year. So that's like a total total non-starter for us. But like you said, 0-2, offensive line looks bad. Joe Burrow also doesn't look too great. He's been holding on to the ball a lot in these you know 12 sacks, whatever it is, through two games. I mean, it's, it's a golden opportunity for this pass rush, which – has not shown a whole lot so far, at least from the edge. It's a perfect opportunity to take advantage of this offensive line and sneak out a win over the Bengals. Yeah, yeah, it would be, you know, not in, not to put on the same old Jets Doomer hat. It would be very same old Jets where this is the game where they keep Burrow clean all, all game for, for no reason other than we're the Jets, right? <laughs> so, but, I mean, we you, you said it. We need to get home. We need we need to heat them up and and, and kind of keep the pressure on, right? they we're going to be playing loose you'd expect after that win. And, and really, I mean, we had, we did have two good, two good weeks of football, right? 
the the scoreboard in the Ravens game looked like a blowout, but we we played competitively. Mm-hmm. We we've got to be feeling as high as a Jets franchise as probably we have since 2015 in terms of where where just the mental state of the team is. And yeah. and on the flip side, you got to think with the Bengals, it's like man, where where's it all going wrong? You know, Burrow missed a lot of the preseason with that surgery. Um, a lot of a lot of new pieces on the offensive line clearly still working its its way through. They did lose like a CJ Uzama, who was a, a core element and, and maybe not so much as a pass catcher, but certainly attacked onto the end of that offensive line in, in the blocking game. So like they're they're still working through it, man. Like this is a this is a a winnable game, and it's a much different matchup for us really than the past two weeks where you had two very, very run dominant teams that were maybe playing a little short changed at wide receiver and, and didn't have, you know, Amari Cooper was the most, was the most uh, dynamic pass catcher that we faced at the wide receiver position. But none of these teams really had like a number two that you were, you were really shaking in your boots about. Whereas clearly the, the Bengals are going to, they're going to challenge you all, all across the field with their wide receiver group. Right. Yeah, and, and to that end, like you said, the offensive line hasn't been great. And Bryce Huff hasn't been active the first two games of the year, but you had here expect to see him active. And another change maybe we hope to see at the, at the back end of the defense is the free safety spot has been kind of a black hole with Joyner and you know, whoever else they're cycling in there. I mean, maybe that Ashton Davis game-stealing interception gets him some more snaps this weekend. Who knows? But uh, it, I do expect, I hope to see, I hope to see Bryce Huff active this weekend. Yeah, I hope so too. And I think it was maybe out of the week one. There's a question, hey, why why was Bryce Huff inactive? And Saul answered, Well, we we like we like different guys for their their run game prowess. Whereas very much, you know, Bryce Huff is a pass rush specialist. He and he's probably he, past couple of years, he's been one of the more efficient pass rushers in the league. This if there's a game to to activate him, it, it'd be this one and sit probably a Michael Clemens, I guess, would be the one that that probably gets scratched for the game. But yeah, I, I hope to see him out there. If nothing else, just to bring a different a different energy, a different juice. Because what we've had certainly this past week that didn't seem to be cutting it. And I and I I'm fully with you on the the free safety spot. There there is no downside to putting an Ashton Davis over Lamarcus Joyner, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Joiner was awful in the past game. He was awful in run support. It's like, if nothing else, Ashton at least gives you one to two. Like, even if Ashton is baseline as bad as Joiner was, he'll give you one to two hits a game where potentially you get a fumble coming out of it. So, I mean, it, it feels like that's an obvious move. I, I don't know. I, I really hope to see that change. And at this stage in his career, and we saw with Ashton last year, like he was lost in coverage a little bit, but he's has he has range out there, right? Because he has the speed, he has the athleticism. And I feel like that'll play a lot in the back end of this defense more than Joyner. So we'll see. So as you have some notes here on on Burrow and and some other Bengals notes. So why don't you hit the hit the listeners with what you got here? Yeah, yeah. So this was actually kind of fell into my lap today. So I listened to a, a podcast from some of the guys over at the Draft Network. Uh, Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs are their their senior scouts, and they do a lot of draft work. But they're kind of just doing a kind of a mailbag mailbag type recap, talking through different things in the NFL. And, and their topic, conveniently for us, <laughs> this today was around Joe Burrow and and what's happening there with the offensive line, with the QB, why, why are there so many sacks? What is happening? They invested all this money kind of 
everyone expected it to be a lot better and it hasn't. And I touched on a couple things already with, you know, Joe missed time. When you do have all those new pieces, it takes time to kind of sync up and, and start clicking on all cylinders. But there were a couple stats that they brought up. And I, I think these were all, I, I was looking at some of these for different reasons. Uh, <laughs> look at recapping that Sunday night matchup and not to dump on fields, but it's nice not to be the franchise that is putting out a young QB without a snowball's chance, man. Like it mm-hmm. is nice not to be that franchise for once. Yep. But, but getting into the Joe Burrow number. So some, some of the things that they pointed out actually kind of struck me the, like it's, it's not quite what you'd expect. Right. So the, the offensive line has not been good, but Joe Burrow has been average, has been pressured at a league average rate. Right. Oh. So he has not been, he has not been pressured like top of the league. It's been league average, league medium rate, so it's okay. the the pressure The pressure rate isn't necessarily the issue, um, and he's had he he has a, a top half time to throw, so he's getting the ball out, and generally their quick their quick passing game is working well. So it kind of you know putting on the the wind horse meme. So what's <laughs> happening here? Why is that right? So so what's go, what's going on? So. You know, in their film study, and they, they studied a lot of Dallas last week, where Dallas used a lot of four-man rush. They feigned a lot of pressure and dropped out of it, but but primarily four-man rush, and, and they have Dan Quinn down in Dallas as their defensive coordinator, running very much the same scheme that we we the Jets do, right? So a lot of keeping things in front of you and making them beat you. And, and what Joe Marino is going in, into, uh, on a lot of those sacks, A, the tackles really weren't holding up too great and the pa- the pocket was collapsing horizontally and Burrow was not doing a very good job navigating it. Uh, he he cr- very much critiqued Burrow's pocket mobility awareness um, saying even as far as he essentially walked into a couple sacks kind of in a, mm-hmm. a Carson Wentz like manner. Um, <laughs> but also it, it, he pointed out it, it felt like when they had design deep shot plays or shots down the field that there's almost a stubbornness. And I think there's a burrow quote around it where he would rather kind of try to draw the play out and take the sack and, and give it a chance as opposed to just throwing it away and letting it die and burning the down. And I, I think that's, this is where you kind of see that bite in them a little bit where certainly they had the dynamic weapons to do that. But when the offensive line isn't holding up for three plus seconds, that pocket and that's you know all the all the pass rush metrics and blocking metrics are assumed and like the ESPN one is around holding your block for two and a half seconds. That's kind of the baseline. Two and a half seconds ball should be out. It's he's holding the ball and he's he's unwilling to check it down. Right. And if you think when we played the Bengals last year, what did Mike White do? He checked just it down. he just checked it down and let 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 his guys make plays, right? And learning from Dallas and, and learning from kind of just what we've seen, certainly it feels like we need to take that same approach of like, hey, dare these guys to check it down. We've invested in the front four. Hopefully they get after it and, and just go from there. Right. But I just wanted to really talk through that because it, it was very interesting. And some of the parallels just between our scheme and Dallas's scheme, I think, really tells a story where it's like, it's not necessarily the offensive line totally faltering and not, I'm not saying they're playing well, but they're not playing maybe as bad as people think they are. 
but it's like you need to to win a little bit of that mental game and kind of know what Joe Burrow is wanting to do and take that away and, and kind of force him to be a little bit uncomfortable. This is this is a very, very stressful matchup for the Jets defense because this weekend we're gonna find out just what they're made of, right? I think that with the first with week one, I say all the time, weird things happen in week one all the time. It was actually a pretty competitive game outside of three plays, right? We talked about it. Week two, you're entering the fourth quarter tied against a run game that gashes every team in the NFL. Like it doesn't matter who they play. Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb are gonna are gonna tear them up, right? This is the this is the true test because you have Joe Mixon, you have a wide receiver core that's very good, and you have a quarterback that can beat you from the pocket and he could beat you on the run too. So it's this is the key. This is the key weekend that you look at the Bengals and they say, okay, they're not home, but they're saying, is this a get right game for us? Right. And and I'm tired. I don't know about you. I'm tired of being the team that every other team in the NFL looks like and saying, oh, well, the Jets are a get right game. So oh, yeah. I'm hoping that I'm hoping that they take again, they take what they the miraculous win again, like things went right for them that maybe don't go right every other game of the season, but they take this miraculous win and build on it. Right. And, yeah, and this will be really interesting just in terms of roster building, like the Bengals are the type of roster that the Jets have constructed their defense to counteract just in terms of the investments we've made at corner the investments we've made up front in the pass rush and some of the, and even on the interior defensive end opting for more attack style, penetration style defensive tackles that are getting, getting upfield, getting after the QB as opposed to kind of just kind of anchoring and holding, holding stout in the run game. Right. So it, I mean, it's very much a, let's see, let's see what this, (laughs) this defense is supposed to look like against the off type of offense it was crafted to uh negate right and, right and we touched on sauce certainly this is going to be the biggest draw that sauce has in terms of either a, a t higgins or a or a chase young or sorry jamar chase sorry <laughs> wow. um so it's going to be i mean it's going to be a big draw there and and two on the other side dj reed is has been absolutely stellar i don't think he's allowed to catch yet but he's not going to get number two wide receivers anymore he's going to be getting a stud right t higgins is the number one on a lot of teams so uh, it'll be a a fun matchup on defense and hopefully you know we uh, we were able to to rattle the cage a little bit last year hopefully it's certainly a i think it's last year's matchup and kind of the familiarity i think and and maybe this is just pre-cope but i think it helps us more than it helps the Bengals where we have changed out so much, especially on offense. Our offense is so much different than it was last year where any on defense too. Right. And I just talked through the two corners, like our defense is significantly different than it was last year. Whereas their roster is mostly the same with a lot of their investment going into the offensive line where we, we should have a sense of what they're doing, what they're trying to do. And certainly we have two games of game tape now. Um, which helps just in terms of tendencies and trends. Yep. And the last point here, before we close out our show here, says it's a, it's another test for the offensive line, right? I think they look much better somewhat coincidentally against a better pass rushing team this weekend. I didn't think that, that miles Garrett really had the field day like Fant. Okay. He's still seemingly having his struggles a little bit, but 
it's not they didn't wreck the game, right? The the Browns didn't wreck the game. And this weekend should be a little bit more of the same, even though they might not have those premier pass rushers like the Cleveland did. Yeah, and, and it will be a little bit different of a matchup too, whereas this is the best interior defensive line I think we've seen today. And it'll be interesting just in terms of how we approach if you know we talked about some people wanting us to run the ball more. This this is probably going to be the hardest team we've played yet to run the ball against, just on what they have on that defensive line. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see a how how do we run the ball, <laughs> um, but also then on defense, Cincinnati's weak spot are is their cornerback slot, and certainly coming off of a an awesome game for our wide receivers, really all three of them. You, you expect us to go back to the well, hopefully roll out a whole heck of a lot of eleven personnel and just go play some pitch and catch and get our guys the balls and, and, and let, them, let them do stuff. That's it. It should be fun. It should be fun. I think this is the, I don't want to say the first real test because they've obviously been tested the first two weeks, but I feel like coming off a win, this is a huge, huge test for them. So, Hey, going to put you on the spot. Do you think we pull it off? Yes. My gut says yes. Man, I hope so, my man. Gu- I, I My gut says yes. Just like playing the odds, it feels like Cincinnati's got to win, right? Like if they don't win, and it's hard to say season's over in week three, but man, like digging out of an 0-3 hole is so tough. It's so tough. But I I, I mean, I I like the matchup though, man. And when we can can move the ball and score points, you're in every game and anything can happen. Yeah, I mean, for me, and I've seen, I saw most of their their week one game and I saw most of their week two game and – they just look bad, man. They just look disjointed. They just don't look right. Um, and and I just see this. I hope this is the type of team I saw with Rex a lot under the Rex years, really two of the Rex years. But when a team came in and there was like blood in the water, they didn't let these teams off the hook. And I kind of feel that with Cincinnati, where like I don't think a solid coach team is going to look at the look at the Bengals and really let them off the hook. I don't think they're going to give them a chance to breathe. Maybe that's again, maybe that's hopium. I don't know. Maybe that's just because I'm riding high off of a win versus Cleveland. I don't know. But I I think that this is the type of game that's really going to cement the direction of this team. And I think they pull it out. Yeah, it's it's one where if we can punch first or kind of get on them early, that that mental side of it really snowballs from there. Right, right. All right, so let's, let's bring it in for a landing. This is the landing strip. Why don't you go first? Because, um, you know, when you're advanced age, I don't know how much time you have left. So uh, why, don't you, why don't you lead us off with the landing strip? Yeah, man. Finally feeling the, I don't know, I felt it a little bit. Get Starting to get old. I'm, I'm really not old. I'm not even 30. Like, I'm not old. But was was starting to get back in the routine and working out. I, I just have a, I have a home gym in my garage here. So it got, got everything I'd need, got a bench, got a squat rack, all that good stuff. So did some deadlifts and then I was busting out some pull-ups afterwards. And the, I, I strained my, I strained like my neck, my lat so badly. It was hard to sleep last night, man. It was bad. That's brutal. And you know what? I've, I've been there with like, I mean, when I take time off from the gym or whatever, and just a soreness from like working uh, like a good hard workout, like I feel it in my chest right now. My check, my chest is like a twelve year old. It's like I have no strength in my chest whatsoever. Oh yeah. So I, I feel that. 
I feel that. Yeah, so hope hoping I can I can recoup soon, get back get back into form for the weekend because I'm sure I'll be be hooting and all our income Sunday. But tell people about your sneakers. You got your yeah, sneakers dude. down here. In, inspired by our uh, your segment last year with the pants or last week with the pants, like oh, love those pants, man. My uh, <laughs> so I'm a I'm a big Ultra Boost guy, not like crazy big. I'm not like super sneakerhead type of guy, but I. I had a I had a pair of Ultra Boosts I like. I think they're the Ultra Boost 19s, and they they went away from that design a lot. And and my mine finally gave out earlier this year. I had to get a different pair of, of sneakers, different pair of running shoes too. But then they had this uh, DNA line out, and everything was on sale right now. I ended up getting splurging and getting three pairs. So now I'm there set for go. like the next next six years or whatever. So they're all in the boxes. Not going to touch any of them till I need them. But I, I caved. I went the the Joe Rivera method and a strike while the iron's hot, and I won't regret it later. Hey man, when you find something that works for you, sometimes you just got to double up. That's just what it comes down to. Or yeah, triple, or, or triple up, baby. <laughs> speaking 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 of tripling up, this is my my Atlantic strip thought. On Wednesday, September twenty first, it'll be the third anniversary of my wife and I, Emily, the wonderful, amazing, beautiful wife of mine. And I just want to say every day is like the first day and behind every great man, there's a great woman kicking him square in the ass. And that's exactly what my wife does. So Emily, I know you don't listen to this podcast, so you should. I love you very much. Happy anniversary. And here's to many, many more and many more jet fuels of mentioning our anniversary. So uh, hey, I got I got one coming up. So now, now we, we, we kicked it off. We got to we'll have to keep the trend here in a couple of weeks. Go. I yeah, beat you to the husband. That, that's awesome. Thank you. Congrats. Yeah. It's been three years of marriage and, and a lot, lot longer being together. So like I said, every day is like the first day. And I, I greatly appreciate her for that. So hey, hey uh, if you made if you made the bulk of your marriage through COVID, you're you're probably good. You're probably yeah. good for a while. That that just, uh that puts the stren- the stressors on. <laughs> I just want to say I beat the bum husband allegations. So there's that. Hey, so, there it is. All right, fellas and and ladies for listening. That'll do it for this episode of Jet Fuel, the Jets Discord podcast. Obviously, you already found us, but you can continue to find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. If you'd be so kind as to leave us a five-star review, we'd greatly appreciate it. You can find us on Twitter at Jet Fuel Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Rivera SN. Sliz, where can the people find you at? Find me at Sliz underscore NYJ. As always, you can send us an email at jetfueldiscordpodcast at gmail.com. And Sliz, how can the people join the Discord? Yeah, join join us. We're, we're actively chatting all the time. It's discord.gg slash NYJets, New York Jets. We're a, a partnered server. Gives us some cool features. Man, literally 24-7, Jets talk, NFL talk, football talk talking to other sports i know we're down the stretch of the the mlb season right now met shout out mets clinched clinched uh postseason appearance so that's pretty awesome um but yeah man like all all this stuff and more we 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 dive into pff grades after every single game what 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 we agree with what we don't agree with lots of film review really just curating everything that the, the 3000 plus folks in our discord see out on Twitter and different film breakdowns and talk about it and, and just generally, you know, have conversation with other jets fans and, and root on the team. And it, well, Hey, when we're winning, it's awesome. So yep. let, let's keep that going. Funny. You mentioned film because I just want to throw in that film is basically highlights. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Depends who you ask. Yep. <laughs>
All right, everybody, for this, for Matt Salard, I am Joe Rivera reminding you, you can't take flight without jet fuel.